As parents, it's important that you continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord and in your understanding of Scripture. Because Barbara Rainey says you never know when your kids are going to ask you a question that's a stumper. I'll never forget my grandson said to our daughter, he said, Mom, why do I need to tell God what I did when he already knows? And those are the kinds of things that parents run into. You've got to teach your children what it means to forgive, why you need to confess your sin to God, because kids are smart and they're going to start thinking about that stuff and they're going to press you on it. And you have to know why you're going where you're going with your kids. This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey and I'm Bob Lapine. As parents, we don't have to have all the answers to the questions our kids ask us, but we need to know where to find the answers. We'll talk more about that today. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. We've been uh, spending time this week talking about what's at the heart of parenting, what parents need to be thinking about and processing together as they raise their children. I'm thinking back to when you first started working through what the Bible has to say about parenting. This was more than a quarter of a century ago. Um, Gosh, that sounds forever. I know. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) But right in the middle of raising— I think it is forever. (laughs) In the middle of raising your kids— you were um, you took you took an extended season of time and dug into the scriptures and talked to a lot of uh, pastors and Bible teachers, uh, theology professors, men and women. Yeah, you, you got a lot of input, and what is in your book, The Art of Parenting, is a lot of the uh, the fruit that came from those conversations uh, back years ago. And the, the thing I love about that is the fact that it's still as relevant today <laughs> as it was then, because we're talking about. Things that are eternal, not things that are temporal. This was created in um, 1990 and 91 prior to radio, because once radio started, it's it's daily, and I wasn't able to uh, get the time away to be able to do the fresh thinking that that I took over a 12, 18 month period. But I looked to see if I could condense down what's the essence of parenting. What does God want us to do? And I found four things. I think He wants us to teach. Uh, relationships to our children, how to relate to God, how to relate to another sinful, selfish human being. We're preparing our children someday, probably, for marriage, Mm. but our kids need to know how to love God and love one another. Secondly, we are uh, establishing and building their character. We're shaping a child who's wise and not a fool who knows what's right and what's wrong, how to choose one and not the other. And uh, character development is something that God works overtime in our lives to create. The Bible's full of all kinds of illustrations of this. In fact, I think we take a whole chapter in the book talking about uh, how God develops character in us. And I think we can take a page out of how God does that and apply that to us as parents, and we do that. Third uh, is the issue of identity. And keep in mind, this was developed in 1990 and 91. We talked about how God created us with a spiritual identity. Who are we? What are we to be about? Do we have value? Do we have purpose? The answer is yes. And also sexual identity. One of the first descriptions of of man in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, was that he identified them as male and female. He says that 
definition three times in a matter of, of three verses. And our, our sexual and spiritual identity, I believe today, are on the line as never before. Finally, the fourth area is mission. Why are we here? What's our purpose? And these arrows were not designed to stay in the quiver. Children were made to be uh, pulled back on a bow and let go and released to fulfill God's mission for their lives. Your wife, Barbara, is joining us this week as we talk about what parents need to keep in mind as we raise the next generation. And, and Barbara, we've talked about kind of the big picture, the, the having the end in mind as you raise your kids. But parents need to also have a, kind of a working strategic plan for what they're doing. In fact, mm-hmm. this is really at the heart of, of your book. You help parents come up with a short-term strategic plan that needs to be reviewed and updated throughout the parenting years so that you're always thinking in the next 12 months, what are the priorities? Mm-hmm. In the next right. 24 months, what are the priorities? And then come back, revisit that, readdress that so that you're being intentional as you raise your kids. Yeah, and that's a big word for us. Dennis and I have always wanted to be very intentional with our kids and with our marriage and with our lives because we think that's what God has called us to do. He hasn't called us just to exist and have fun, but He has created us that we would glorify Him and that we would raise godly children and that we would have a marriage that would honor Him. And that takes intentionality. It isn't going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen just by doing life. You have to make decisions that cause that to happen. And so as we talk about parenting, you have to begin with the end in mind. And in our book, we write and try to create a vision, try to help parents see the big picture, help them see the the wonderful calling it is to be a parent because it's so easy to get caught up in the, the messiness of being a parent. And so we are constantly casting that vision, but we're also trying to be very practical and help you know how to make decisions, how to work together as a team, how to be intentional, how to have the right values govern your everyday life as a mom and a dad. So it's both together. And the way we did that was on a date night. We'd get out on a date, and initially, I got to admit, I I was kind of looking for some romantic date (laughs) nights where we just had a fun time because we had six kids in 10 years. But ultimately, those date nights became the vice president and president hiding away from the kids (laughs) on a date in a restaurant. They were strategy sessions on how to survive the next week. They were. And we would (laughs) look at the calendar. We would look at where we were going. We'd review our roadmap. Where are we taking them? What does this child need? What does that child need us to especially work on in his or her life? And sometimes our dinners were preoccupied by one child that was especially needy at that particular time. Exactly. So we didn't always go over all of them. No. No. Yeah. And, and sometimes there was there was no room for romance. <laughs> oh, I mean. m- most of the time. Oh, okay, most of the time. But Bob, here's here's the thing. We would use those times to pull back to the big picture and get a clear roadmap going forward and just say, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. We don't want to be held hostage by comparing ourselves uh, with other families that may be too busy right, and that don't have the same stuff going on that we have. And so we try to say, Lord, here's what you called us to do to make an impact in other people's marriages and families. Help us to not lose our own marriage mm-hmm. in the midst of this, but also raise effective children in the process. So anybody who's in the business world understands 
Uh, a couple of things. First of all, there are some things that are urgent, and there are some mm-hmm. things that are important. Mm-hmm. And we usually focus on the urgent and ignore the important, and that's not good. Secondly, you understand that unless you take some time to develop strategic priorities, you can get caught up in the day-to-day but never be thinking about what are our goals or our aspirations. You've mapped out in your book, The Art of Parenting, a way for parents to do some concrete, short-term strategic planning to get away from the urgent for a little bit and focus on the important there are seasons where the urgent's going to dominate. I get that, right? The house is on fire. You don't think about, you know, where do we want to go on vacation next summer? But get away from the urgent for a few minutes and look at the bigger picture, the important. When parents do that, it's a fundamental shift in their parenting. And all of a sudden now, they're parenting with a level of intentionality. And and here's where our book and the video series, uh, The Art of Parenting, spells out and takes people through a process where they reduce in writing on a a sheet of paper that is called Your Child's Arrow. And it's actually a picture of an arrow where you fill out each of the four areas I mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast, relationships, character, identity, and mission. And you look at those, and it's interesting, Barbara and I would, would move from child to child and look at where they needed to be developed. And from time to time, every one of them had something of those four things that they needed us to either anticipate an issue that was coming down the pike or where we needed to uh, give them a little more focused attention to be successful in one of those four areas. And it seems to me as I look back on that, that we most often talked about um, character and relationship issues because those are the ones that seem to be the ones that we run into day in and day out in raising a family. So we would talk about what are we going to do about lying? We would talk about what are we going to do about hitting siblings or not respecting your sister's closet? You know, you can't just go in and take stuff. You got to ask. And we so we, there were all of these character, behavioral kinds of things that we were instilling uh, values in. But then the relationship side, we talked about all the time, too, because we had sibling rivalry every day, thousands of times it felt like every day. And we were teaching over and over and over again about being kind, about how to ask for forgiveness, how to say you're sorry, will you forgive me, how to pray and ask God to forgive you and why you want it to. I'll never forget my grandson said to our daughter, he said, Mom, why do I need to tell God what I did when he already knows? And those are the kinds of things that parents run into. You've got to teach your children what it means to forgive, why you need to confess your sin to God, because kids are smart, and they're going to start thinking about that stuff, and they're going to press you on it. And you have to know why you're going where you're going in in all four of these areas with your kids. When your kids hit pre-adolescence and then adolescence, that's where the identity piece starts to really emerge Mm -hmm. uh, during toddlerhood and elementary years, you're right. probably not focused a whole lot on identity. But, of course, in these days, it's it's happening younger and younger for kids as they start to say, okay, who am I? What did God mm-hmm. make me to be? What am I good at? Will I ever be popular? Mm-hmm. What What's my life all about? And and this, this is more subtle than some of the character and relationship right. issues we deal with. But parents can't just tune this out and think it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, right? No, and I think probably in this culture you need to be more intentional and more aggressive even than we were because you know your kids are hearing it. And if you don't know your kids are hearing it, 
we want to tell you your kids are hearing it. They're aware of it. They may hear somebody say something at school or even at church. You're talking about gender identity issues. I'm talking about gender and identity issues. Yeah, and so I think think you have got to be, parents have to be proactive today, even at younger ages, Mm -hmm. because of what children are being exposed to. Even beyond the gender identity question, which is huge, Mm -hmm. every junior high kid is figuring out, am I one of the popular kids? Mm -hmm. Am Mm -hmm. I a jock? Am I part of the theater group? Am I a nerd? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're coming up with a self-assessment saying, where do I fit into the pack here? And those can be challenging years for a, an adolescent. They can. And I think the adolescent years are where the character begins to emerge and where you're still not done with discipline of your children. One of the things that uh, I began to notice in my billfold was I, I began to ask Barbara, I say, did you take did you take some money out of my billfold? She said no. And so one of the things we would do is if, if we felt like one of our kids was doing something we ought not to be doing or she ought not to be doing, we'd pray that God would help us to catch them. You, you were suspicious something might be going on, but you didn't have any evidence. I didn't have yeah, any evidence. No proof. And, and so uh, I went to the bank at the end of work one day, and I got $60 in $5 bills. That's real simple math. That's 12 and I put my money in my wallet, and I came home from work, and I put it where I usually put it, there on the edge of the desk. And I noticed later in the evening that one of our children, who will remain anonymous, was doing homework there at my desk. And something told me, go count the number of $5 bills in your billfold. The child was already in bed, and uh, I went down opened the billfold and counted them. And I counted them twice because there was only 11. And I went back upstairs where Barbara was, and I said, did you get, did you get any money for the kids for school, lunches tomorrow or something? Nope. So I went to the child who was doing homework at my desk, and I knelt down beside this young person's bed, and I said, you were, uh, I noticed you were doing your homework down there. Did, did you happen to Maybe take a $5 bill out of my billful? No, Dad, I didn't do that. I said, you sure? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do that. No, no. So I said, well, let me pray for you. So I put my hands on this child, and I said, Lord, if uh, this child didn't steal that money, then I just hope I'm wrong, and I hope you'll give this child a good night's rest. But if this child did steal the money, I pray you disturb their sleep. Well, that night went past. Nothing happened. The next night started to occur. And all of a sudden, as I crawled into bed, I felt presence, a person to my right. And I turned, and it was the child. And this child said, I slept miserable last night. I don't want to do it again tonight. I took the $5 bill. And we extended grace And we talked about that lesson, and we talked about what this child needed to learn. And then we got some free labor. Now, I say free because this child had admitted that uh, they had stolen a couple hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah, this child was was making a living off of uh, my wallet, and I I hadn't noticed it. So we we got a porch painted, a porch painted out of that deal. And... uh, the child was actually quite joyful to make a uh, 
some kind of guilt offering, I guess you might call it. But this child was forgiven. This child was loved. And uh, it was an important lesson. And honestly, if this hadn't been on a roadmap of talking about character and relationship and uh, relationship with God and with us, I don't know how we would have handled it. And one of the things that was so important for us was not just that we would catch our kids when they made mistakes, but I wanted our kids to know, each and every one of them, I wanted them to know that God sees everything and hears everything. Because that's what Satan does, is he wants to tempt us to go, well, God's not going to care, or God doesn't see, or... Nobody will ever find out. And I wanted our kids to be so aware of God's presence and his omnipotence and his all-seeing eye. And so what was great about this situation is it wasn't just that we caught this child and that this child learned a lesson, but that this child understood because Dennis prayed that the child would be convicted if this child was in the wrong. And that was the beauty of it, is that this child learned that they can't get away with anything because God sees everything. And that was one of the most important things we wanted our kids to all learn. You've both done a remarkable job of protecting this child's identity (laughs) and even their gender. The editors uh, will have to uh, (laughs) correct and edit out any gender pronouns that uh, just slip through our tongues. (laughs) There are are a couple other things that that you feel are vital for moms and dads if they're going to be effective as parents. One is that they not try to go this alone, just the two of them. They need to be in community with other parents this is this is essential, isn't it? It is absolutely yep. essential. Yep. I remember when our kids started driving, and I don't remember, Dennis, if you did it or if I did it, probably you, but I remember we, we live in a neighborhood that's kind of spread out, but there were other families that we knew that lived along the same driving path as our house. And we said to our to some of our friends, look, if you ever see our kids doing something they shouldn't or driving in a way that they shouldn't or whatever, we're open. Tell us. We we don't want them to think they can get away with anything out there on the road because it's just not safe. And I'll never forget that one of our friends took us up on that and said, called one day and said, uh, I just passed your kid on the road and it's a 50 mile an hour zone and he was Flying, flying mm-hmm. down the road. And, you know, so we had a conversation about that. And I I just think that parents, when we isolate ourselves from the help that we can get from other families, help we can get from other friends, I think it. I think we're doing it to our detriment. And our kids think they can get away with things. But when they know that there might be other eyes out there watching them besides mom and dad, that's a powerful influence. Are you saying it takes a village? I am saying it takes a it village. It does take a village. It really does. And especially if you get off in a ditch. you got to have somebody to come, uh, come alongside you and hug your neck if you have a prodigal child, if if got one who's not doing well. Or if you're just in the process of raising a child and you don't know what to do. The whole community piece gives you someone to bounce ideas off of and find, how have you, how have you handled movies? How have you handled technology and and uh, all the screens that uh, that kids are are using today? I just remember our, we would go out to dinner with friends and we'd come home and say we had a great dinner with so and so and we and we talked about several different things and they'd kind of start getting their eyes real wide and they'd go, 
oh no, did you learn some new ideas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, we did. They, and we we did that. We would talk to our friends about what they were doing, and we'd get some really good ideas that we wouldn't have thought of. I think especially today with the issues coming at young people, as never before, it takes a village. Well, I've shared this before. You guys have heard me say this, but we were part of a small group with other parents with kids the same age as our kids. And I remember many a Sunday night when we were headed over to our small group, leaving the house and just going, okay, they're all going to jail pretty soon, <laughs> you know, because they're all just messing yeah, up. They're right. just, it's a, and we would get to small group and somehow in the conversation that night, we'd learn that everybody else's kids were acting out too. Mm-hmm. And we'd drive home going, okay, we're not alone in this. Our kids aren't the worst kids in the world. This is kind of the normal pattern for kids to start acting out during some of these years. And it just gave us such a sense of relief, in addition to giving us a lot of good ideas like you got mm-hmm. from and, other parents. And I want to give a shout out to a principal who's just a couple of miles up the road from Family Life's headquarters at one of the top uh, schools in America. It's called Little Rock Christian Academy. Dr. Gary Arnold courageously stepped up and he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to require every sixth grader to go through passport to purity with their parents. And I thought, when Gary told me that, I thought, this is the best kind of peer pressure to have 140 sixth graders with their mom, with their dad, go through this Friday night, Saturday experience by themselves with the parent, but then to come back to school and begin to talk about it. And here's a whole class of kids that are right now, I think we're approaching, it's been four or five years, maybe six years. They're approaching seniors in high school. Hmm. So they've got other eyes who know what the content was. Yeah in that Passport to Purity weekend, and uh, the entire class having been through it, I think it's the best kind of peer pressure that's available today. Another thing that we did that I think was really um, helpful for our kids and for us is we invited friends. We didn't do this nearly often enough or as often as I wish we could have, but we knew a lot of people still do who are great faith heroes, people who walk with God. And when we had the opportunity to bring them over to our house for dinner, we would get the kids around, we'd all sit at the table, and we would just hand it over to our friends and say, tell our kids the story about what happened when you went to Africa. Tell our kids the story about whatever. Do you have any other stories? Because I wanted our children to hear that faith was real and authentic for people other than mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Because it's real easy for kids to think, oh, it's just mom and dad, and they're old, and they're (laughs) archaic, and whatever. But if they can hear someone else being in love with Christ and being excited about Mm -hmm. walking with him, then they might go, oh, maybe mom and dad aren't so dumb after all. Maybe they're onto something. So that was something that we did, and it's an idea that I think a lot of other families can incorporate just with people who are in your church. They are heroes of the faith in your churches that you can bring over and say, tell a story to my kids. There's one other essential for effective parenting, and this is one of those things that we could we could say it and people would go, yeah, yeah, that's, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. one of those put it on the list so you can check it off. But you guys really feel this is not just a a cliche. This is a vital part of parenting. This is how you do it. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. How do you get the wisdom to build a house? You cry out to God and you say, (laughs) Help! 
Help. We don't know what we're doing, God. And we prayed the prayer of a helpless parent on so many different occasions because we were brought to our knees around issues. We didn't know how to answer, uh, address how we knew how to uh, tackle. And uh, we would pray for the kids. We would pray with our kids. We would pray we'd catch our kids doing what's right, and we would catch them doing wrong, all for the purpose of shaping their lives to uh, reflect what God wants to do in their souls. We put together a, a prayer challenge for parents not long mm-hmm. ago. This was as kids were heading back to school, but mm-hmm. honestly, this is something you can mm-hmm. do at any point in time. We were sending out prayer prompts every day mm-hmm. where a mom or a dad would get an email that says, here's what you can pray for your kids today, a 30-day practice just to try to jumpstart yep. this discipline in the life of parents so that you get into a rhythm of regularly praying for your kids. And I know for a lot of parents, it can feel like, okay, I did that. I can check it off the list. Did anything really just happen there? And this is where we got to, by faith, go, there's a God who's listening, who's called us to pray, who wants us to pray. This will be good for us and good for our kids. And God hears those prayers and responds mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And it's important that we pray with our kids and in front of our kids and for them so that they see it modeled. They don't just hear that we do it, but it's something that they participate in as as they're growing up. When we were writing the book, The Art of Parenting, one of the things I wanted to do was get our children, who are all grown now, I wanted to get their voices in the book. I wanted to get some of their experience in the book because all of them are married and all of them have kids now. And so I wanted them to kind of say, what What have you learned? What are you using um, that you learned? Or what are you changing that you thought we did terrible and you're doing it differently? I wanted their voices to be heard. So we asked our kids to write some stories. And one of the ones that came in first that we still to this day delight in is the story of Dennis praying for the kids when they he would drive them to school in the mornings. And he didn't do it every day, but he did it enough that this this one child, our daughter, remembers him praying. And what's, what's so fun about it is that when we would do this, when we would pray with our kids in the morning before school, we would pray with them at night. So often they would give us this, oh, do we have to kind of a thing. And so <laughs> as parents, you think, my gosh, is this making any difference? Am I getting anywhere? I mean, you just so doubt yourself and second-guess yourself. But our daughter wrote the story of how she remembered dad taking them to school in the morning, and she describes him as octopus-armed dad because he would have his coffee in one hand, a handful of cereal in the other, and then he'd be shaving with another hand (laughs) and throwing the cereal into his mouth and eating while he was driving all along. And the way she described it, it was just this beautiful picture of all the things that were happening in his seat as he was driving the kid to school. But she said, I remember he always prayed for us, and he always prayed three things, that God would protect us from evil and from harm and from temptation. And he ended all of his prayers with that. And she said, I remember at the time thinking, yeah, 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 whatever. But she said, now that I'm a mom, when I take my kids to school every day, they're in elementary school. I pray the same words every day over my kids because I know God hears. And I know that's what he wants me to do with my girls. So it was really encouraging to see as parents because we do want to quit and give up because we don't see results. You're not going to see results quickly like we would like. It's not a short-term process. So hang in there and pray together as a couple, but pray for and with your kids so that they can hear it and see it and you can model it for them. I know your heart for this book and for the video series 
is that moms and dads will not just read this and go, that was a good book. That was helpful. <laughs> you want this to to be a strategic plan. Yep. You want them to to begin to implement things in their parenting that are going to have an eternal impact on their children's lives. And we know it'll impact generations because right. that's what children are all about. Well, we've got copies of your book and the video series in our Family Life Today Resource Center. I'd encourage our listeners, if you don't have a copy or if you know a young couple who have just begun a family, maybe some moms and dads who have got three or four kids and they could use a little help, get a copy of the book, The Art of Parenting, and pass it on as a gift to them. You can order from us online at familylifetoday.com or call 1-800-FL-TODAY to order. I'll tell you what, better yet, if there are four or five young couples that you know in your neighborhood or in your church, why don't you invite them over, have a potluck meal, and then watch session one of the Art of Parenting small group series and say, would you all like to come back in a couple of weeks and we'll go through session two and take them through all of this content? Be a great outreach, a great way to help equip and train the next generation. Find out more about the Art of Parenting Small Group Series Kit when you go to FamilyLifeToday.com. You can order that from us online, or you can call 1-800-FL-TODAY to order. Tell you what, you could invite them over, and the, the kit includes the movie, Like Arrows, that was in theaters back earlier this year. Invite them over for a movie night. Watch the movie together, and then... Ask them if they'd like to go through the content from there. Maybe uh, maybe a little less threatening, huh? Uh, again, all the information is available online at familylifetoday.com or call to order 1-800-FL-TODAY. You know, we think the things we've talked about today, these issues are eternally significant. When we talk about marriages and families, we're not simply talking about how you can all get along better and have a happier family. We recognize there's more at stake here than just happiness. We're talking about the eternal trajectory of your life, your, your spouse's life, your children's lives. Here at Family Life, we want to effectively develop godly marriages and families, not just happy marriages and families, but godly marriages and families. And we are so grateful that some of you who are regular listeners feel as we do that this kind of conversation is critical we know that because you have supported us in the past. You've made today's program possible, and it's been listened to today by hundreds of thousands of people. So on behalf of those who have benefited from our conversation today, thank you for your support that has made it possible. If you're a longtime listener and you have never become a part of the team that helps make Family Life Today happen, we'd like to invite you to go to our website, familylifetoday.com, to donate to support this ministry or to become a monthly legacy partner. You can donate online, again, at familylifetoday.com, or you can call to donate at 1-800-358-6329. 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. When you do, be sure to ask for the gift we want to make available to you this month. It's our 2019 calendar, a year of togetherness as a family. There are activities and Bible verses to memorize each month, things that you can do to build and bond and grow together as a family. Again, the calendar is our gift to you when you donate to support the Ministry of Family Life today, and we appreciate that support. And we hope you can join us back tomorrow when we're going to hear from a mom who got a wake-up call one day 
When her pastor handed her a jar of pennies. Aaron Lynham will be here tomorrow to explain why that was so significant, and I hope you can be here as well. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.